Good morning. My name is Wendy Irwin. Today's reading is from The Good News According to Luke, chapter 21, beginning at verse 5. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, the time is now. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, and the end will not follow immediately. <clears throat> then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. And you will brought, be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all, because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let us pray. You are the resurrection and the life, and we long to be raised. We long to be given new life. We long for the light to cast out darkness. We pray that through your living word, you might speak to our troubled hearts, and you might bring them life. May we trust in you and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. So this past summer, Shine and I and the kids made the great trek to the Promised Land, also known as Alberta, uh, where I'm from. Uh, don't hold it against me. It's God's country out there, but uh, it's, it's okay. BC's good, too. Um, we made many stops visiting friends and relatives, and one thing that struck me on that trip, though, 
is that no matter who we were visiting, there was always a conversation on the state of the world, on the state of the world. And one morning particularly strikes, particularly sticks out to me. We were sitting down for coffee with a couple of Cheyenne's relatives, very kind, very generally very positive people. But when we got to the subject of the news, things kind of got a little bit down. Uh, One said that ever since he was 30, he'd wake up, turn on CBC radio, and curl up with a cup of coffee to see what was happening in the outside world, and not anymore. Since COVID, he didn't even bother with the radio or TV news, except very selectively. The world is going to hell, he said, but I'd rather wake up and not be depressed. Well, it does. (laughs) So... He just started tuning out entirely. And what did he find so depressing? I mean, COVID was one, obviously, homelessness, addiction crisis, political division, climate. It was all there in one way or another in our conversations. And like I said, on the road trip, this conversation wasn't unique. We had conversations like this pretty much wherever we went in various shades or versions Um, And recent studies show that more and more Canadians are intentionally switching off and tuning out uh, from the news of the news for the same reasons. Neighbors have said it to me. You've said it to me. Not all of you, obviously, but some of you have said it to me, and I've said it to on occasion. Many of us feel like the world is spinning off its orbit, falling apart in front of us, and it really does have an effect on our souls. We fear for our future and the future of our children. And when the future looks bleak, we kind of go into fight or flight mode, and it's just easier to tune it all out rather than wake up depressed, lest we fall into despair. So the question is, how do we deal with things like this? How can we deal with things like this? I mean, there are various narcotics we can use, to deal with this, obviously, but we also know that they don't work out too well either. And our culture really has very few resources for dealing with this kind of thing. Most of us who've grown up in Canada, only experiencing life after the Second World War, have more or less seen life get progressively better and better. For all the advances we've made in science and technology and psychology, we don't really have much to say when it doesn't just keep getting better and better and better. And I mean, one answer could be, you know, it's, it's not so bad, or it's all in our heads. But what if it isn't? Or don't, be, don't worry, we'll innovate ourselves our way out of these, these messes. And that would be great, of course. I would love that. I, I really sincerely hope that. But what if we don't innovate ourselves out of these messes? Or we just have to do more to fix it, which may be true. What if we don't? Or what if we don't do enough? Or what if we already are doing enough, but it doesn't seem like it's making a difference? Or what if it's the wrong thing? Or what if the problems are just so big that it just adds another shovel full of despair onto the pile, what, what then? What then? 
we don't really know what to do with a future that is not so friendly as it may have been previously. And, you know, I was thinking about this whole vacation radio episode a few weeks ago while reading Like a Burning in the Bones, the autobiography of the late Eugene Peterson. And if you know what the message translation of the Bible is, it's a paraphrase. It's, you know, it's sold millions and millions of copies. He was the author. It's a modern paraphrase of the Bible. He was an acclaimed author, pastor, and taught for a brief period at Regent College in Vancouver. And Peterson was renowned for his spiritual groundedness. He was kind of a saintly figure. He had this calm sense of God's presence in all places of life. And there's this little snippet in his biography of his daily routine that shows how he dealt with a world that thinks it's falling apart. And the way that he dealt with it was rather traditional. After Peterson retired, he and his wife Jan settled into a cabin in the Montana woods, a cabin that his own father had built when he was a child. The answer is, just build a cabin in the woods away from everything. (laughs) Clearly. No, I I kid. But um, every morning, Peterson would follow the same routine. He followed the same routine every single morning. Every morning, he would get up and make him and his wife a cup of coffee. Then wouldn't you know it, he would turn on NPR, National Public Radio. Not quite the same as their version of CBC, but, you know, similar to that. And every morning, Peterson would listen to the news. He'd listen to the news. And here's what he said about that. The so-called news, the so-called news, he's not saying it's fake news, by the way. He's He's not just saying the news is fake. Just to be clear. I want to be clear. The so-called news is fairly predictable. The death of some world leader or celebrity, war casualties, political scandal or infighting, and it's all conspicuously deficient in person, in beauty, in goodness, and truth. There is, he says, no sign of transcendence. There's no sign of transcendence in the news. Every day, the world sounded like it was falling apart with no transcendence, no sense that there is something deeper or something greater going on. Every time he turned on the radio. And it sounds pretty depressing, I mean, doesn't it? Nothing new there. If it was the same every week, why did he even bother pressing the on button or turning on the dial? I turn on the radio, he says. I turn on the radio to orient myself to the world's idea of what's going on. I turn on the radio to orient myself to the world's idea of what's going on. Not to orient myself to what's actually going on, but he says that he listens to the radio to see what the world thinks about what's going on. And then after hearing what the world thought was going on, he'd settle down with his coffee. He'd open his Bible to the Psalms and meditate on the presence of God. After hearing what the world thought was going on, he'd open his Bible to beauty, goodness, 
and truth. That missing thing called transcendence. He would listen and he would hear what was really going on in the world. Culturally, we don't quite know what to do during times of deep uncertainty and despair, but Eugene Peterson did. He turned to a rather ancient and archaic one, like the ancient peoples who passed it down to us, faced all sorts of obstacles, traumas, heartaches, and uncertainties in their lives. The scriptures were his source of strength his guide in troubled times. He had something that not everybody has. Our guide in troubled times. Something to tell us what's really going on when we're able to hear nothing but anguish and despair, whether it's on the radio or in our Facebook feeds or just brewing in our hearts. You know, today's scripture is Exhibit A, Exhibit A for the Peterson method for counteracting despair. Jesus predicts the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, the beating heart of Jewish faith and life. Last time the temple was destroyed, the Babylonians invaded. They raped and pillaged and leveled the country to the ground, so not good. He predicts that false messiahs will appear on the scene to take advantage of everybody's fear. They'll offer answers and security but will ultimately lead people astray. Sounds familiar, but also not good. There will be extreme political strife, wars and insurrections, he says. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be natural disasters, signs in the heavens, earthquakes, famines, and plagues. Also, sounds kind of familiar, and also, also not good. But before all that happens, you thought, it, you thought it could get as bad. You know, you thought it was bad to this point. He said that his followers will be arrested and persecuted, handed over to religious and civil authorities, all account on their association with him. And even worse, they will be betrayed by parents, siblings, best friends. They'll be hated all on account of their association with him. And some of them will even find themselves put to death. It's less familiar to us. But still, not good. Not good at all. Political violence, armed conflict, messianic figures, nature out of control, food shortages, pandemics, persecution, betrayal, and death. This sort of stuff was already in the air. An atmosphere of revolution, fear, dread, and uncertainty. But Jesus' predictions kind of put the icing right on the cake. So all in all... The future Jesus paints here for his followers is a bleak one, to say the least. The whole world's falling apart. You can imagine a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, maybe a little panic. The future is not friendly at all. And yet, and yet, you'll notice Jesus' words within all this bad news. When he warns against false messiahs, he says, don't go after them. When folks come along prophesying the end of the world or promising safety and security, when doomsday deceivers, as Eugene Peterson puts it in his message translation, he doesn't say they won't come, but when the doomsday deceivers inevitably come, we're to pay them no 
mind. We're not to follow after them. When we hear of wars and rumors of wars, if nation rises up against nation, if tsunamis hit, grocery shelves are bare, pandemics abound, even if the stars fall from the sky, Jesus says, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Rather, it's just routine history. Again, in Eugene Peterson's words. It's not the end, just the world being the world. So we have no need to be terrified. Even if we find ourselves persecuted, even if we find ourselves arrested on the witness stand, it's not the end either, but we're to see it as a chance to speak the truth. We're to see it as a chance to bear witness. If we end up betrayed and abandoned by family and friends all account on, on account of Jesus or not, even if we face death itself, even if we're hated by absolutely everybody, still there's no reason, Jesus says, to be afraid. Why? Because. Because whatever might seem like the end to us, is never the end with God. I mean, I took a really long time to get to the same point that Sarah did in her children's sermon there. Whatever might seem like the end is never the end with God. If it's the, if it's the end, it, if, it doesn't, if it seems like the end, it's not the end. God says when it's the end. Because in the end, the real end, Jesus promises that not a hair on our head will perish. Now, he clearly doesn't mean that we'll be protected from all suffering or pain or that we won't be harmed at all because he says some will die. After all, Stephen was stoned to death. Andrew was crucified upside down and Paul perished in Rome. No, here he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. He's talking about the completion of history, the goal of it all about the coming together of heaven and earth at the end of time, the triumph of God. He doesn't mean that we're going to be shielded from suffering, but he means that even if we're to lose everything in life, in the end, the true end, we can trust that we still have our souls because God has our souls. Anything we might face pales in comparison to the beauty of our eternal destiny, the destiny of of creation, the world God loves and has promised never to abandon. And this is the foundational promise of the gospel. This is the bottomless resource that Eugene Peterson, you know, he tuned into every single morning. The precious jewel, the inexhaustible well that our grandparents in faith have passed it down, passed down to us to help deal with our fear for the future. God promises to keep us into every suffering, every hurt, and every pain, and every fear, even into death, which means that with God, we can endure anything. We can face anything. No matter what bad news might be broadcasting, there is an alternative wavelength for those with ears to hear. And eyes to see, to hear the truth past all the noise, to hear the goodness past all the noise, to hear the beauty 
past all the noise, to help us to hear what's really going on underneath the world's brokenness and to help us be faithful, to bear witness, to be steadfast in our love for God and our love for neighbor in the face of it all. In the face of it all. Now, what does it, what does it mean? Well, it, it means, dear friends, that you don't have to listen to the false promises of doomsday deceivers. It means that you do not have to despair or be afraid. You don't. You don't have to give up. You don't have to world, let the world get you down, even if the world's troubles are truly real, and they are. Because we belong to Jesus, because we belong to God, and because we've got a God who promises life. Meaning that we don't have to live like others who have no hope. So every time you find yourself burdened with the weight of the world, fearful of the future, you know, if you find yourself turning on CBC, or if you're, you know, if, uh, you know, if you've sworn off CBC since, since the beginning of time, there was a lot of that in Alberta, so that was, I was surprised when he said he'd turn into CBC every morning. But if you find yourself burdened with the weight of the world and the future, there's no need to resign yourself, give in a retreat. You know, the next time it happens, remember Eugene Peterson's advice. When you hear what the world thinks is going on, tune yourself into the good news of God's grace and God's presence. Remember the sweet sound of salvation. Remember the glorious tune of the everlasting mercy of God that on account of this God, you will endure the world will endure. Not a head, hair on your head will perish. Because the end ain't the end until Jesus says it's the end. And in the end is music. The sound of angel choirs singing hallelujah amid all the doom and gloom and violence bombarding our ears above earth's lamentation we can still hear that sweet though far off hymn that hails a new creation so every morning pour out your cup of coffee or tea or non-alcoholic beverage of your choice pour it out hear the promises of god that not a hair on your head will be harmed. In the end, pour it out and praise the Lord. Amen. Please stand for our hymn of the day.
Ah! 